0: Beers, Business, and Balls presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code HOUSE at checkout. You can get 20% off your order and free shipping around the world. Happy 2023. This is episode 112 of Beers, Business, and Balls. Um, What do we have? It's been... Uh, well, first of all, the NFL regular season is over. One of us is happy. The other is whatever the opposite of happy is with their football team and it's been a hell of a ride and now we're here in the playoffs so i'll toast to you toast to the new york giants congratulations um hey
1: it can't be great forever i guess if anyone who actually thought the patriots were going to make the playoffs with like The Bills, as the last week of this, like the last game of the season before Hanlon's injury, you were crazy. And then obviously, Hanlon gets hurt. He's in the hospital. The Bills are going to rally that game. The Patriots had no chance. I'm surprised the Dolphins made it, especially with no Tua. I'm pissed for them. That's
0: a team that I look at and like, you guys fucking didn't deserve it. The Steelers did. The Steelers,
1: the, the Steelers deserve to be there. Um, and I mean the AFC right now, with Lamar out, with Tua out, it's going to be Chiefs Bills, Bengals Bills, Bengals Chiefs. That's that's the that's the lineup. The NFC, on the other hand, I'm not trying to be bullish. I'm not trying to be crazy. This feels like 2008. I think oh. the Giants can make a run. I really – everyone's getting healthy. It feels right. It just feels like this gritty wild card team's going to go into Minnesota. They're going to take care of business. It's going to be nothing flashy. They'll win by a touchdown. Next round, give me a, a Tom Brady's Buccaneers team. They'll get lucky against the ooh, Cowboys, ooh, ooh. and that's it. Tom Brady – sayonara you're a las vegas raider next year 49ers i think brock purdy's good but i don't think he's i think his magic will run short but do they so here's the thing do they reseed
0: or no like are they gonna have to like let's say the because the seahawks are gonna get probably rinsed by the 49ers like if the giants win do they have to then go play because they're the lowest remaining seed so do they, they play the
1: it does get reseeded
0: so they have to go play the Eagles in that scenario if they win. Our backups
1: almost beat the Eagles that needed that game. Hey, I, I listen. I'm, no hate here. I'm telling you, I, 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 I will guarantee at least a first round win. But I'm I have put money on a little run right now. You are guaranteeing a win over the Vikings. Guarantee, guarantee that the 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 Giants had injuries galore on Christmas Eve. And they shot themselves in the foot so many times that the Vikings got lucky that it was a Christmas miracle, sixty-three yard field goal to seal the deal. But that was the I, Giants' game to crazy. lose. It was sixty-one, sixty-one. Still though, they got they got lucky. I know I'm, I'm being a dick. They got lucky, and I'm guaranteeing a first round. Did you see the? Did you see the Giants hype up video with Michael not, Strahan? I did not watch it yet. You should because heard it was excellent. It was excellent. It was why not us? But what why the hell was that for? You're somebody that played
0: that knocked the Patriots off in 2008 and 2011. I don't want to watch that.
1: And the tagline is our way. They did it our way. Uh, that is pretty cool. I do like that. It's it's going to be a good day. So I, I'm feeling confident. This is the first time in a while that everything just feels right with this team we will say
0: they they just look better like the whole kenny galladay situation where it was like oh yeah fuck it let's sprinkle a little on kenny galladay and then the whole twitter universe is like oh he actually scored with the backup quarterback that's nice i
1: i like the 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 story behind it because they go oh and again i don't know how true this is or not but brian dable's like listen you're not going to be on the team next year we're going to cut our losses but do you want to be here this is your opportunity to prove you want to be here and that was that was a man's touchdown that wasn't just a you know a little 10 yard out and call it a day that was contested one-on-one in the corner of the end zone one hand grab that was a that was a great touchdown and i was honestly surprised it was only plus 500 odds on the books for not having a single touchdown in his entire giant career that plus five hundred on the last game, the last regular season was was a bit crazy. So, I'm just gonna read you what
0: Stephen A. Smith had to say. You're not gonna like it. It's first of all, but all right. What did he say? He said when you look at certain teams, hold on, it's still not working. When you look at certain teams, I'm talking about what the expectation should be. Now, do I believe the Giants can beat them? Sure. Do I believe that Kirk Cousins could wet the bed? Absolutely. Do I believe that defense could fold like a cheap tent? We've seen Minnesota do it. Okay. I get all of that, but there's no excuse for the Minnesota Vikings to lose this game, not to have 13 wins on the season, not to be the NFC North champions, not to have cats like Jefferson and Dalvin cook and Thielen. And he said, and these brothers going to go out and lose to a depleted giant squad. That's a
1: shock to everybody, he said. The Giants aren't depleted now. Now they're at full health. He's a fucking clown. Stephen A., come on. I think the Vikings are are a talented team. I agree with... You first, go ahead. The Vikings are a talented team. There are pieces. Kirk Cousins, you got to give him some respect. He is there. But I don't think the Vikings are that crazy of a team. Like... They like my unbiased opinion are the giants wins have more merit than the Vikings wins in those situations, beating an Aaron Rodgers, beating a Titans team that at the time was seven and one. And that like, the only loss was week one against New York. The Vikings have like all, I think all of their wins are one point wins for the most part.
0: Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, they won score wins that, yeah. One, yeah, one score wins. They're well, they kick the living hell out of the Colts. Actually, no, wait, hold on. They I was like, the, they, the <laughs> they beat the Colts by three. They you beat, know, what I was looking at was the Giants. They were, they're all one score wins too. I was looking at their schedule.
1: So, they, okay, so uh, you beat the Bears, but the Bears are bad, get stomped by the Packers. You beat the Giants by three. You beat the Colts by three. You lose to the Lions. You beat the Jets by five. You beat the Pats by. What is a touchdown? Touchdown. Stomped by the Cowboys. You beat the Bills by three. You beat the Commanders by three. You beat the Cardinals by a touchdown. You beat the Dolphins by a touchdown. You beat the Bears by a touchdown. You beat the Saints by three. You beat the Lions by four. Eagles kick your teeth in, and then you beat the Packers by a couple scores. So, majority of their wins, if not almost all of them, were one score. I was so tripped up because I didn't realize you were doing that in reverse. I'm like, they just got killed by the Packers, <laughs> yeah, in reverse. In reverse, and again, you can say the same thing about the Giants, but the Giants do not have a tr- like. Like is is Kirk Co- is Kirk Cousins arm better than Daniel Jones? Yes. Do they have the best receiver in the entire league in Justin Jefferson? And the Giants do not. Correct. Adam Thielen is better than all the receivers than the Giants have. They landed T.J. Hawkinson in a trade. Their defense is pretty tremendous. Dalvin Cook is a top five running back. Like they should be there. They should be the NFC North champions. The Vikings
0: had really good draft picks, too. They had uh, that Lewis Sign guy from from Georgia, and then Andrew Booth, who I wanted on the Patriots from Clemson uh, in the secondary. And I feel like this defense just still sucks. Like, they're, there are no excuses on offense. I agree. This team should put up 30 points easily against the New York Giants. Um, I'm definitely concerned on
1: defense, though. I, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the – the key to this game, I mean, the Giants' offense has figured it out as of late, and things are all clicking. You know, uh, Daniel Jones is playing clean football. Receivers like Isaiah Hodgins comes out of the woodwork, scoring. Daniel Bellinger at the tight end, tremendous. He he does not drop balls. Saquon's going to do his game. The key to this game, though, is going to be the front four the main core four of pass rushing on the Giants. You have Aziz Alugirari, uh, Leonard Williams, um, Cavon, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then, of course, Dexter Lawrence, all pro Dexter Lawrence. Those guys, when they play together, that is the big blue wrecking crew. They're going to give Kirk Cousins a run for his money.
0: Yeah. Um, what's his face? Kayvon Thibodeau turned it around, which is which is good. He got off to a slow start, and now he's getting he's a rookie. Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll be not. fine.
1: We put so many expectations on these, these rookies, even though they're in the first round. It's like Trevor Lawrence is now finally put in the the spin on the ball. Yeah. I mean Thibodeau didn't have I think
0: his first game over five tackles in December. But now he's I mean he's had five tackles four weeks in a row. Some good shit. Yeah. Four sacks, not too bad. Um Championship coming to New Jersey this year?
1: Who's to say? I don't know. Who's to say?
0: Well, that wouldn't be the only craziness happening in New Jersey um, this year and in a year segue. on. Good segue. Thank you. I practice that. Um, we have someone to talk about the mayhem as we start our beer segment in New Jersey. Uh, and this will run into business, too. Chuck Garrity from Death of a Fox Death of the Fox Brewing Company um man if you are not from New Jersey and you are a beer drinker this should open your eyes uh, there's a lot of legislation getting passed around in New Jersey right now about limiting what beer bars and breweries can do and it's pretty screwed up to spoil our interview here um we'll let Chuck tell it it's his story uh it's a guy who's leading the fight against it and, and sort of standing up to the lawmakers let's bring in chuck garrity from death of the fox brewing company here he is
1: all right everybody with us this week we are joined by chuck garrity the president at dead of the fox brewing company down in clarksboro new jersey um A man that has 20 years of corporate experience then then transitioned into home brewing and we have the story of this brewery but the reason the is in its news is because of the legislation that's going on in New Jersey, uh, regarding heavy restrictions and defining what an event and what a, a brewery can do. So we have Chuck joining us to share you know what's going down in the garden state but also to tell us more about death of the Fox brewing company so Chuck welcome to the
2: podcast and how's everything going. Thanks, guys. It's uh, glad glad to be here, and things are going pretty well. Looking forward to a successful 2023.
1: Absolutely. So let's start with you. Uh, 20 years of corporate experience, healthcare management consultant at PwC most recently, but you also have 15 years of brewing experience. So where did the brewery, the brewing experience start for you, and wh- when and why did you make that switch out of corporate?
2: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I was always passionate about good beer, even back when I was in college in the 90s, uh, which was kind of like the first phase of, you know, I guess you would call the craft or the micro revolution back then, um, and, uh, and yeah, so I started home brewing probably close to, uh, you know, I, I bought my first home brewing system about 15 years ago, and uh literally you know i was you know uh working for companies out of boston uh eventually my company was bought by kpmg and then i moved over to the price Waterhouse. um on the road a lot you know spent three or four days a week on the road on planes traveling different cities um all over this great country of ours and uh you know got to see got to see how a lot of other cities did it and uh You know, it was I I spent a lot of time of my time, my off hours when I wasn't doing consulting, management consulting in offices and that type of thing, either in, you know, uh, a coffee house uh, with the laptop or or visiting uh, the brewery in that particular city or town. So, um, you know, it was something that was very close to my heart uh, and. I felt that you know there was an opportunity here on the East Coast specifically to take some of that uh, that West Coast um, innovation and feel, and especially around the you know the hybrid business uh, concept that we have at Death of the Fox, um, of both a coffee roastery and a craft brewery, bring them bring those worlds together, um, and allowed me to do what I want to do and and basically be my own boss. Uh, be able to start something new, exciting, innovative uh, right next, you know, literally five miles away from my, from my house in my hometown. Uh, you know, I don't have to get on a plane anymore. I love what I do. Um, you know, I have brewers that brew the beer now. I have coffee roasters the roast, but I still get involved and get hands on from time to time. And right now we're, um, we're working on our second location. So we'll be expanding out uh, to a location at Rowan uh, College in Glassboro. So we ask every person that
0: either owns a brewery or brews beer that comes on this show, what was your first home brew? What did it taste like? And then that what was the homebrew that made you say, wow, I think I might be able to, you know, th- this is pretty
2: good. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. So the, the beer that made me reconsider what beer can be and should be was Sierra Nevada's uh, Pale Ale, um, you know, back in. Back in the uh, early 2000s, when I first had that, um, so when I first started home brewing, I I tended towards you know straight pale ales, pretty pretty um, uh, standard, uh, simple recipes. I went right into all grain brewing. You know, I did not mess around too much with Mister Beer kits or um, you know extract uh, extract kits or anything like that. Um, You know, fortunately, a good friend of mine had a system, an all green system, and I just, I I bought it and learned from scratch how to do it the right way. Um, And then from then went on into all different styles. What blew me away really with homebrewing is that, you know, um, I realized that you could actually make better beer at home than you could buy, you know, buy at the store Um, if you knew what you were doing. You know, if you understood the science, if you understood, you know, things like making sure to maintain, you know, constant temperature, uh, you know, controlling your oxygen intake, doing all the right things, technically, you can make fantastic beer. And that was really exciting to me. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I wound up, you know, uh, building my own bar downstairs. I had uh, four of four th- my beers on tap at all times, you know. Um, and it really just became that, that wound up being a pilot for Death of the Fox, in fact, you know, it became, it became the, uh, uh, so, you know, and, and I experimented with all different styles at heart. I am a German based brewer, you know what I mean? I believe in kabut you know, the, uh, you know, the make, making sure that uh, keeping it simple, you know, I like a good Kolsch, I like a good um, Marzen and, um, you know, many of the different uh, German styles is is, so that's where I got my master uh, brewery certification is from the Seibel Institute of Brewing uh, Technology out of Germany. And uh, they have a local uh, Chicago uh, uh, institution here. So that's, that's where I got when I really decided I wanted to go fully into this industry. um, That's where I went.
1: So what would you say the specialty is at um death of the fox like is it still that german style inspiration i mean obviously breweries offer a little bit of everything but what would you say the specialty beer is at your i location? would say
2: english german and of course you know you have to you have to have fun stuff in turn you, you have to have three or four ip we have 16 beers on tap at any given time um you know we usually you know some breweries around us all they have is ipas on tap uh we're not we're not that type of brewery we usually have three or four good ones uh we have uh you know we've gotten let's see i have right now some of my favorite beers that we have on tap we have a uh what we're known for mostly uh in one of our beers that we're, we're known for mostly is our cinnamon toast crunch pale ale so we uh we put about 50 boxes of cinnamon toast crunch cereal into the mash itself into the beer um that's what i'm drinking right now actually so it's a uh it's quite popular, and it's uh, it's called beer for breakfast, cinnamon toast. Uh, we have we usually have a couple seltzers on tap. Um, as I said, you know German English styles. Um, we uh, we have our we had uh, a holiday pizzelle cookie flavored beer that was pretty popular. We had a huge Harry Potter event, Christmas at Hogwarts last uh, last month where we basically, you know, had redid uh, the whole brewery with hanging candles and, you know, banners and the whole, you know, all of our people dressed up in robes and Harry Potter themes. And so we have um, we have a, a really tasty butter beer on tap from that. So we like to have fun. Uh, but again, it, you know, as a brewer, it's, it's something where you have to kind of, what I like, you know, maybe some, Maybe people, you know, maybe they consider German beers boring. You know, I look for those subtle flavors that are a little more, you know, uh, you know, the standard versus going like the crazy, you know, we do sours and we do a lot of other things. And one of my principal jobs is to get out of my own way. You know what I mean? So just, you know, make the product that my, that my customers love. But of course I still veer towards, you know, the stuff that, that I love as well, but it's just those aren't those aren't the ones that are the main you know the main money makers let's put it that way
0: well it makes sense and before we before we dive into what's going on in in new jersey right now and just uh you know the the crazy stuff for lack of better term uh death of the fox is the name of your your brewery obviously so um Tell us the story, right? There's got to be a good story behind that. There's an actual fox chase that you're associated with. Uh, tell us about how that name came to be, and then we'll then we'll dive into some some interesting uh, current events in New Jersey. Oh.
2: yeah. So, uh, Death of the Fox was a tavern. Was the name of a tavern that goes back to the 1700s. It's located about a half mile from here. Um, you know, we're located very close to Philadelphia, and um, you know, history just just did not happen in Philadelphia. It happened all around Philadelphia, in Delaware, New Jersey, the Pennsylvania suburbs. Um, And we're a great example of that. So essentially um, Death of the Fox was, this area is indigenous for Fox. And uh, therefore, you know, back in the 1700s, you know, the, uh, actually it was a, a Fox hunting club was established about 15 minutes outside Philadelphia right right here in Clarksboro New Jersey and uh it was the first organized hunting club in America you know in 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 the country um and so they would go out they would do their hunts they would come from Philadelphia they would you know unleash the hounds get on their horses go out and do the hunt and then come back to the tavern at the end of the hunt to have their drink and their sustenance and they went back, and that tavern became known as Death of the Fox, okay, for obvious reasons. So um, the tavern was built in 1729, so it's almost 300 years old. It's still standing today. It's a private residence right now. Um, You know, I just found out last week, I'm I'm still finding out things, even after being open five and a half years. I received um, received the visit from uh officers of the first city cavalry of philadelphia who basically said that you know they presented me with a flag and said that you know most of the original cavalry, you know from the united states of america came from this fox hunting club at death of the fox so you know yeah i'm i'm just a i'm a huge history if i wasn't if i wasn't a magic consultant and a businessman i probably would be a history professor um, and I and I love delving back into that, especially that Revolutionary War uh, era history. So it really was a um, you know a great way to bring awareness to the to the you know really cool history in this area.
1: Now, did you find out about that history before the brewery, or was it when the brewery was in you know conception? You found this
2: story and was like, okay, I found my I found my name. So uh, I relocated down to this area about 15 years ago, um, and so uh, we, my house, I, I live right off of King's Highway, which was the King's Highway back in the 1700s, literally where the king would, you know, when they came, they, they named it after, after, uh, you know, back in colonial times. And um, off of King's Highway, I remember when we first moved in, you had this old very old stone uh tavern looking house that stuck out like a sore thumb like and in the front national registered historic landmark death of the fox tavern when i saw that i said number one that is like the coolest name ever i love that name and so if i ever do anything if i ever you know create a brewery or or whatever that's that's going to be the name you know i wanted something that Again, references the history, but also something that's memorable and sticks out, you know. And so uh, when people go, how did you think of that name? I did not think of the name. I literally saw the sign on the side of a highway next to the tavern itself and said, I would love to be able to revitalize that.
1: There we go. That's a pretty cool story. Pretty, uh, Pretty cool little piece of history. So we had the now the backstory of death of the fox let's go to present day so 2019 the state of new jersey puts into this effect a special ruling for limited breweries um which was a whole laundry list of imposed restrictions so food trucks were no longer allowed you couldn't host more than 25 special events per year which we'll get into uh that includes anything advertised beyond the brewery trivia fundraisers just anything that's that you post on social media djs um televised sports championships which i think that's where you that's where you lost me on that one it's like having a game on the tv (laughs) counts as an event which is absurd but all of this said and done was to somehow balance the competition between um all the microbreweries and then of all the thousands of bars restaurants and liquor stores so first off why did this come into play it now it now came into effect over the summer but what was the reasoning behind this law how has the fight been over the years you know tell us the perspective um, from you as the business owner
2: so so um, in order to really understand it you have to go back about 10 years okay so uh, essentially what was happening is that uh, you know all over the country as we know you know, the, the brewery, it's not just breweries, distilleries, cideries, whatever, meteries, whatever had, you know, started started opening all over the country. Um, you know, other states, obviously, were seeing the financial and the economic benefit of that. Um, and, and, you know, state of New Jersey at that point had three breweries, okay, uh, in the entire state, going back to like 2010, 2011, all right? one of which was was a manufacturing based brewery, Flying Fish. But most of the breweries in the state, the biggest brewery was Anheuser-Busch right out of Newark, you know? Um, but in terms of like craft breweries, micro breweries, absolutely non-existent because the way the laws were set up in Jersey, it made it almost impossible and, and very cost prohibitive to be able to start a brewery from scratch. So, you know, this was a movement that had, um, you know, had been pushed for a while, uh, to the point where Chris Christie um, actually allowed the law to be passed that allowed um, what's called a limited brewery license okay so this is a license that is uh, that allows you to have a tasting room that allows you to uh, you know serve pints to the public um, and basically have a you know a, a small brewery that without spending a million dollars let's put it that way uh, which was really the only option you had before then. So the state was reacting to, you know, if, at what P, PwC we would call a mega trend. You know what I mean? This is something that's happening at a global level, not just a, a national, but, a, you know, and, and they see the economic benefit of it. Um, the issue in New Jersey is that uh, the laws around uh, alcohol licensing go back to post-prohibition era. And it are based on population, okay? So uh, I think the number is three. Th- there's one license per three thousand uh, uh, people in, in the state of New Jersey. So um, so essentially, you you have created this scarcity in the market, all right? And it's it's artificial, right? So you are limiting the number of the, the supply of the number of licenses that are allowed. So what does that do? That drive and and by the way, those licenses, even though they only cost a couple thousand dollars to buy a license from the state, they are bidded on the open market. Okay. So therefore, you have licenses in the state of New Jersey that are worth two, three million dollars just for the privilege to serve alcohol at your assembly. That's crazy. Okay. So so you have this, and and this has been something that has been, you know um, happening for fifty years in the state plus, right? So you now you have you have a generational structural economy um, that is based on uh, you know the, these licenses being bought and sold on the market itself. You know, over thirty percent of the licenses in New Jersey are called pocket licenses, meaning that they're pocketed they're not actually used. They're used basically as a commodity or an investment. I wanna buy a license in a certain area. Maybe there's maybe there's a, a town of 20,000 people. There might be three licenses available. I'm gonna pay, you know, $50,000 for those three licenses and I'm gonna just sit on them. For years, you know, whatever it is. Or, or you know, it, it'll be, but you have this. So so you basically have this system where, um, you know, these licenses are bought and sold and they're not, they're not a license anymore. Really, they're closer to a commodity or a stock or a real estate investment. Okay. Because, um, and, and the state, and that is the, that is the the system that the state has set up. Okay. Um, so of course, when you come along and then you allow breweries to buy, to be able to, pr- you know, produce their own and, and create their own alcohol, um, you know. Wineries, as well, but wineries had a head start for about 20 years and are also very closely aligned with the Department of Agriculture in the state. So, therefore, they have a lot more leeway than breweries. Okay. But breweries came along after this law was passed in 2012. And as soon as it was passed, bars, restaurants, the 6,000 license holders were all over it because they were intimidated. And afraid that this would, number one, devalue the license, number two, create an unrealistic competitive situation where suddenly, you know, they, you know, the perspective of uh, somebody who paid, you know, half a million dollars for their license and has a brewery open up in the town, in the same town, and only pays a couple thousand dollars a year. Okay. Um, So this is, they've kind of, they kind of flooded the state with um, when I say the state, the state legislator, legislature and especially the ABC, uh, the alcohol beverage control that say that we need to get get a handle on this. This is not fair, okay? Um, And therefore it took about five or six years, uh, but the state turned around with a lot of pressure, a lot of lobbying pressure from the 6,000 license holders and their political action committee and a lot of money that was channeled into um, this effort to place these incredible restrictions on breweries in the, um, you know, things like not allowing us to even have a a menu, you know, uh, a food menu in the brewery, being limited to 25 events a year. And even, you know, as you mentioned, you know whether that's showing a football game or showing a playoff game, even the size of the TV has to be less than 65 inches, okay? Uh, because they don't what what they don't want breweries to, to become are sports bars, for example. Um, so they have all of these all of these restrictions. Um, even the ABC is is telling us that, um, you know, well you can advertise You can advertise an event and put up a poster in the four walls of your establishment of your brewery. But if you actually take and say, let's say if I'm having a musician on Friday night, now this is, this is real, okay, I'm not kidding. They are saying that you have to actually put up a poster to let people know that you're having this event. Therefore, it's not counted against you. But as soon as I as I post that on social media, Instagram, Facebook, what have you, that suddenly becomes one of my twenty five events a year. Okay? Now, what if
1: what if the musician posts on Instagram that hey, I'm going to be at
2: Death of the Fox? Does that count? They, as long as they are aware that you are aware of it and you did nothing about it, the, the brewery is still liable for that. Eventually, like the thing is, yes, yes. So the. The state is basically saying that we can't be in any type of communication or collusion with 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 anybody about getting out the message about you know what's happening in our own organizations and our in, in in our own businesses in in you know and the number twenty five is completely arbitrary. There's nothing the you know we we tried to understand why why twenty five events a year. Well, why not? not even yeah you can't even that's two a month that's
1: two a month We're open, i think you, guys.
0: Was it, was it you will that did out the math that it would be done in uh you would hit your limit if you showed one week of march madness just right. one week that's it
2: my phillies my my phillies who went to the world series last year i used five events five out of my 25 events just to show playoff and world series games now how can you even predict that? if like so, and the clock resets at the beginning of the year, okay? So if you think about it, um, oh, and that's the other thing is that you have to give ten days notice when any time that you have an event, you have to give the state. you have to file with the state and give them ten days' notice that you are having this event. So they can get notify township council, the police department, and the township clerk that you are having trivia night or a guy playing acoustic guitar or you're showing a world series game
1: but the phillies you know they they win the um the championship game and what is that two three days later until the world series that's my point
2: so then we had to go to them that's they didn't even think they didn't even think this out guys like they literally did not. They said, "Okay, if you show a championship game, that counts as one of your 25 events." But of course, you have to give 10 days' notice in order to to get approved for that event. And how would you know 10 days' notice that the Phillies made the World Series? So we brought this up to them, and they said, "Oh yeah, our bad. Uh, I guess you can just let us know. <laughs> we'll make an exception." We had to make so they had that they, they did a special ruling to their own special ruling that that allowed because they knew that it was impossible to enforce
0: right like i, I feel like as you're going through this it all just seems so arbitrary and you know sort of uh eh, whatever you made a comment it's like well, why why 10 days and it's why not or why 25 uh, events and it's why not 25 but but regardless um you're doing something about it, right? Where uh, so? Where does this stand, Chuck? And you know, where are we at now, sort of in this fight to to at least make some progress? Maybe not necessarily get it overruled, but at least the restrictions maybe will ease up a bit.
2: Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of history uh, before because essentially they first attempted to pass all of this stuff in 2018. They passed it in the fall of 2018. We led um, a group of breweries put together a, a petition to get 35,000 signatures. We got 35,000 signatures within two weeks. They suspended the ruling, okay? Great, you know, victory. I had, it was even more restrictive, it was crazy, right? Then they come back nine months later, new mayor, I mean, I'm sorry, not new mayor, new governor is elected, new director, the, the director that issued that first ruling was fired. Okay. Yeah. I can't go much more into that, but for, for obvious reasons. The next director comes in, issues almost the same ruling, adds to that ruling that breweries now are no longer allowed to sell coffee. We are a brewery and coffee roaster. Who came, I am not who came at your neck? Who came at your neck? Well, <laughs> the thing. then we had to get our lawyers involved. So we're used to doing this because then we had to get our lawyers involved, to, of course, because that was our entire business plan that was approved by the state five years before then that we were a brewery. And we are grandfathered in. Right now is the only brewery out of 141 uh, breweries in the state of New Jersey that can also serve coffee so they and they actually went after that and that is actually in the books saying that no other brewery or that you know a brewery can't serve coffee to its customers um but but basically so that's the history they 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 came back they reissued it and then covid hit and so once covid hit in 2020 they kind of stepped back and there wasn't much enforcement i mean our 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 Tasting room was closed for seven months, um, you know. So that was that was a challenging time where they, the state did the right thing there. They allowed us to have outdoor permits so we could do beer gardens and things like that. So we could continue getting some type of revenue. And we were encouraged by that. We thought maybe they've turned a corner. Maybe they're like, it's gonna be sympathetic now, right? So then, you know, 2021 uh, comes along and things start slowly getting, you know, clearing up from COVID, you know, we're getting back to normal hours and everything. And then, um, then all of a sudden we started hearing rumors that the state was going to go full on with enforcement of the, uh, the ruling that they issued in 2019. And, and then with two weeks notice in the, in, in June of 2022, they, they passed 18 conditions very punitive uh strict conditions printed on all of our licenses saying that we're you know all the things that we just mentioned you know 25 events a year um you know requirement of having to do a tour uh no coordination with any food trucks whatsoever if you have a food truck outside your brewery you will get fined um you know there's So, but especially for us, the 25 events was, um, you know, we, we have live music. I'm a huge music guy. I have music here all the time, especially, you know, and then being able to show sports games, things like that. um, Yeah, just it's, it it all came very, very quickly added to our license. And that's why we felt like we had no choice, but um, to turn around and, and, and to, Uh, Sue the state on two grounds. Number one, they did not go through the proper rulemaking uh, notification process with with a public um, review uh, and comment period that's required for any time you do anything like this. They actually said in 2019 they were going to do that. They never did it. Okay, so that's the heart of our of our uh, lawsuit. Uh, But the second part is is strictly First Amendment stuff. You know, you cannot tell a business that that, that they cannot, um, you know, where they can uh, be able to get their message, to be able to promote their business through, you know, saying that, well, certain events, you cannot, you, know, you cannot use Instagram, you cannot use Facebook, you know, all of this stuff, it, it, it is just, it's a plain and simple First Amendment violation. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of precedent for that, so you know we have a legal um, website with the Pacific Legal Foundation, who is representing us pro bono. They were started by Ronald Reagan in the '70s in the state of California, so they have a pretty good track record when it comes to this type of stuff. And uh, they did a fantastic job. We filed our legal brief last month. The lawsuit um, is now. Uh, Currently, the the uh, the state has thirty days to respond, and uh, we should hear we should have a hearing sometime in the spring. So that's that's just the short term to get the the ruling, the unrealistic, crazy ruling with all of this stuff. So because we've seen a drop in business, especially Friday and Saturday nights, you know when we typically have musicians and things like that. Um, you know, we, it's tough to keep people in the seats. I mean, yeah, that's incredible. It's, it's crazy that you're losing business for the weekends,
1: which are supposed to be your biggest day. And it's, you, you can't even compete. I mean, again, as a consumer, I want to go to the place that has the music, the trivia, the game, wherever. And although I love breweries, I wouldn't be able to, you know, go to any of the options that are in New Jersey because of that. So, um,
2: well, the state, the state really, it's, it's a very antiquated way of, Uh, thinking like you know they they see brewery as purely breweries as purely providing a product uh and being a supplier for for liquor stores and bars and restaurants but not being you know an actual experience unto themselves they're trying to keep it that way and they're trying to remain very rigid but you can't force that especially in today's you know but they're trying to that is their argument I'm gonna I'm make an argument for them. They're saying you need to stay in your lane and just be manufacturers and suppliers and that's it. Um, the problem with that is that, you know, I also represent, uh, you know, I'm, I'm chair of the board of, the two, of, a, of a winery brewery and distillery trail that represents almost 30 um, organizations here in South Jersey. And, you know, wineries have none of these restrictions. So how can you justify saying, well, you know wineries who are really a lot closer to breweries than than a bar, especially a you know a corner bar um, you know it and so you know what we're trying to do is make the argument around parity and saying you know you need to have parity between you know the alcohol beverage producers um, and and also you know the uh, the importance of tourism and promotion of tourism, um, you know, breweries, wineries. You know, people love going out. They will go out of their way to go visit, a, uh, you know, a great brewery. Um, the state does not understand this at all. You know, they don't understand the value of the economic impact and um, to our main streets. You know, to our downtowns. Because when a brewery opens up, guess what opens up afterwards? Maybe a restaurant across the street, and maybe there's some other peripheral businesses. Um, they choose to ignore all of the, these arguments because, basically, you know, they're being paid by lobbyists. They were trying to push a very old system and model, um, uh, which is, you know, breweries need to stay in their lane and just provide us with beer. So the
0: question lends itself now. You guys are doing your thing, right? The, the other breweries are certainly going to, to have some involvement. Uh, how can people support this from, you know, maybe inside New Jersey or, or even afar?
2: Okay, so yeah. So there's really two things that, you know, death of the fox. We are taking the lead on with the lawsuit to try to just get this, you know, get this crazy ruling and these license conditions out of the way and have them uh, be found as unconstitutional, okay? That's number one. But, um, you know, the really cool thing is that we are now, uh, you know, working with over 40 breweries uh, over five states uh, to do a collaboration beer called Brew Jersey, okay? This is our own label, but there are, you know, 40 other versions of this same beer. Basically, we're, we're all sharing um, the same recipe uh, that that was the, you know one large brewery Icarus out of uh, North Jersey, uh, put put together, and uh, so it's a it's a standard hazy IPA you know New England style, uh, but it's a really it's a it's a nice beer, um, and so right on right on the uh, side of the can, we have a little story about the you know what's happening in Jersey. And also, um, you know, a QR code where they can easily scan with their phone, and and actually send a letter directly to their state senator, to their assemblyman, and to the governor. And they can do this even if they're not a, if they're not a uh, a citizen of the state of New Jersey or resident. So, um, you know, because basically, you know, they can go and say, hey, you know, we support um, we support you know, what's what's uh, we support the breweries and their cause in New Jersey. We would be willing to go out of our way to visit New Jersey, to go visit the breweries and that type of thing. You know, I'm very close to the Pennsylvania border and I'm also very close to the Delaware border. And one of the arguments we try to make is that, you know, um, somebody can go right across the river to Pennsylvania and, you know, have a completely different experience, you know. They are, they embrace the brewery you know they they require food you know food is illegal in new jersey um you know there are no restrictions on events or any type of uh you know they they actually they're really smart about new york as well because they allow breweries also to sell you know in pennsylvania pennsylvania wines and pennsylvania spirits well why because that's good for pennsylvania economy that's good for uh we're not asking for that i mean you know you got to run before you walk you got to walk before you run i'm sorry but um you know that's that's that that's something that is uh uh you know that we're dealing with just you know as a business somebody can you know can go 10 minutes away and have a completely different experience and i think a lot of people don't even understand the how you know regionalized and local alcohol uh, law is and how you can go from one state to another and be in a completely different world you know Unfortunately, you know, you know, probably uh, New Jersey is closer to Utah <laughs> in terms of its 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 alcohol laws than almost any other state. And why is that the case? Because there are special interests who wanna who wanna try to keep innovation and uh, our, our small businesses down. So now, from your perspective,
1: obviously it's a revolving door of a situation that you've been dealing with for years, but. Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel or do you still see that there's a large fight
2: fight ahead? Um, I see, so I see it as uh, I think right now what I'm hearing is that, uh, you know, everybody's aware that there's a problem and it needs to be fixed, okay? Um, they all give lip service to that, but they also want to lump it in with total you know, alcohol licensing reform uh, in the state, which has not happened in 60 years, okay? So we need to fix the overall system. And I guess breweries will be a part of that. The problem with that is that a very punitive, harmful um, regulation ruling was put into effect last year that has a direct impact on businesses. There have been four breweries that have already closed. Um, many breweries are, are are reporting, you know, lower, uh, lower receipts, especially over the weekends due to the inability to promote events. And, um, you know, it's so, you know, my point is that we can't wait until the overall alcohol reform, licensing reform, post prohibition, you know, like being lumped in with all of these other initiatives, um, you know the state took a very direct, aggressive action against its breweries and therefore requires an equal and opposite reaction back specifically to correct this wrong. And that's what I'm focused on. Um, You know, so, yes, you know, we, uh, you know, we can talk about a utopia, you know, correcting all the world's problems. But the fact is a lot of breweries are hurting right now in the state of New Jersey, the state of New Jersey, alcohol beverage control is responsible for that uh, by being manipulated through special interests. And uh, we need to fix that right away. And so this creates great awareness into that. It is a great, you know, you know, head start to be able to say, to create a dialogue and a conversation and to get others involved because, you know, again, you know, we're, we're carrying the load of this lawsuit but you know i i would encourage other breweries it doesn't you don't even have to be you don't have to be based in new jersey you can just say you support new jersey beers and let people know about the wrongs that are happening you know what's going on and you know just this industry itself is is under attack and um uh, you know the and 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 that's Just being able, and I I really appreciate your time and and responding to me, to be able to create awareness, because the the, the awareness is is barely there even in the state of New Jersey. But whenever I tell anybody, especially from other states, they're like appalled. (laughs) Like it's mind-blowing. No, this can't be happening. Yes, it is happening. You know, this is possible. And, you know, and it has not the other thing that I will encourage is this it has nothing to do with politics. Don't make it about, you know, right versus left, Democrat versus Republican. You know, I talk to state legislators, senators. I don't care what party they're with. You know, this is a small business issue. Um, and so when there's that, I, you know, the biggest reaction that I, the initial reaction I always get is that oh, those damn Woken, blah, 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 or that, you know, it's the Democrats, it's this or that. No, it's not about that. It's because guess what? You know, everybody takes donate, uh, donations uh, from campaigns. So especially in the state of New Jersey, if you're taking money from special interests, it doesn't matter you, whether you have a D or R next to your name. And usually they're happening in back rooms, you know, Everybody likes to talk about how great small business is. But when it comes to actually doing something about it, um, it doesn't matter what party you're with. uh, If you have ties to interests who are giving you a lot of money, you're going to keep your mouth shut. It's a livelihood thing, too.
1: I mean, again, it's not like you're doing anything egregious or illegal. It's showing a it's showing a baseball game and offering food to your patrons and trying to create a better experience after you know the couple past couple years we had with covid lockdowns and
2: restrictions and uh, we were just emerging from covid i mean if you think about it as soon as the cloud started to clear in that is is when they they jumped on it and um yeah it's 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 shocking (laughs) But But. your, your name will be in the history books when this stuff changes.
1: So, uh, we appreciate you sharing the story and we're always happy to, you know, share the news and share the wealth of, you know, just our platform and being able to, you know, let people know where, where they can help and where they can support. So in terms of that, you know, where can our listeners, you know, find you guys on social media, find out more about the lawsuit and how they can get involved with the, uh, beer collaboration, of course, you know, sending letters to, uh, the
2: local officials. Yeah. So, um, so you can, they can find us on, on, you can Google us at death of the Fox brewing company death of the Fox will come right up in any of your, uh, your, your search engines. Um, as far as the, the, uh, collaboration for brew Jersey, that is very simple. It's, um, dot beer. Okay. So I didn't even know dot beer was a thing, but it is a thing. So it's, BrewJersey.beer, and then it'll come up and tell you all about it. Um, but there's also links on our site. Um, this is through the Brewers Guild of New Jersey, um, which is our trade association. And uh, again, you know, the the uh, 25% of all sales and proceeds from this will go uh, towards the fight to, uh, uh, to correct the laws. Well, we
0: appreciate your time, Chuck. Best of luck to you. Looking forward to following your story. All right.
1: Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Will. Take care. And that was just Chuck Garrity, Death of the Fox Brewing Company in New Jersey. And, you know, when we got this email last week, after, like, diving through the documents and everything he sent over, I was like, yeah, we need to have this guy on. I mean, that I can't believe it. Honestly, we haven't heard much about... And again, I I, I mean, I know you're not. I'm not frequenting New Jersey, um, let alone understanding the beer scene. But I was talking to uh Paige about it and she said, like, oh yeah, like one of the breweries I've been to in Jersey, like it wasn't a good vibe. But like obviously, as from a casual perspective, like you're not gonna know all the the ins and outs of the laws and stuff like that. So Crate, I mean that I, I I liked how Chuck wasn't political about it, even though it obviously in, it involves local state politics, but it it truly is a constitutional like, how can you, how can you hinder a business so much by this is what I don't understand. Like, and that's what, I mean, I, I remember in the interview, frankly, asking, it's like, who has the hard on for you that no breweries that can make coffees and all of these restrictions and stuff like that. Like someone was out to get them.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. And it's weird. And you think about how prohibition stopped certain things from happening, right? Like we had, um, you know, why am I blanking on our guests from way back um, on the craft, literally called the craft beer movie? Um, that gentleman was named. Wow, I am. That was.
1: Um... I don't know. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, I'll pull it up. You go to your point. <laughs> um,
0: well, now I'm looking, too, because now I'm curious. Uh, let's I'm. I'm going, going. I'm going, and I'm back. Past oh, it was Dave Ritchie. I can't Dave believe Dave Ritchie. Yes, sorry, Dave, if you're listening, we didn't forget about you because you know we we brought you up. How how could we ever forget? It's a throwback. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff in the craft beer movie sort of opened your eyes to okay, this is rooted a lot in prohibition. There's just laws that are sticking around that like a lot of these brewers had to go right to Gina Raimondo, the governor of Rhode Island at the time, and say. Hey, this is fucked up. I can't operate my business because of some law that was made in 1920 that everyone, that just quite frankly, nobody gave a shit enough to go change and complain about. So, do we see some remnants of that in
1: New Jersey right now? I would guess probably. I mean, there's parts of like, you know, Long Island, New York, the wineries cannot have restaurants. As part of their venues, like they cannot serve an actual meal. And to be honest, that makes sense to me in terms of, you know, you're drinking all day at the wineries, go spend money to get your meal at night at the restaurants or wherever. I think the wineries can offer the food trucks and have small little plates. But if a vineyard offered dinner, then you're just a restaurant that specializes in wine. I totally understand that not allowing a food truck. That not only hurts the brewery, that hurts the food truck as well. Because where the hell are they going to go on a Saturday? You know, are they just going to park up in a, like, in a public space and just serve food? It's like, no, you want to get the people that are drinking and um, have them go purchase food at your place. I mean, think about how many Rhode Island breweries would suffer without a food truck or some kind of food establishment. I would say all of them. All of them, except Appenog.
0: Well, right, because they but is that in the eyes of the state, I would say
1: that's a restaurant that specializes in beer it's what it's the uh gastro pub,
0: and that's how they got around it they They were very open with us about that um you know and and they' it's not to say Appnox's doing something like you know sketchy right' it's No. Not. it's more about like you know hey we're we're trying to operate our business that was uh Tamara McKenney and Mike Webster uh, we talked to in episode fifty six Last uh, actually a year and a half ago now, um, and yeah, go go check out that interview. It's a it's a pretty long one. It's in person. Um, it's a lot about hey, here's what we had to do in in the eyes of policy in Rhode Island because like there's other brewers in Rhode Island that can't have the same rights we do because we have a kitchen and a chef. So it's kind of crazy. I And listen, I get it. I understand that, you know, should, I don't think it's entirely, like, baseless to say a brewery is different from a restaurant. Like, I think there Correct. are some fundamental differences with a restaurant that serves homemade beer, not homemade, but, you know, commercially brewed on-site beer, that's not distributed anywhere else, versus a place that you just go and you have some IPAs or German ales or, or dark beers or whatever, and you get a sandwich, right? Should they be treated differently? I, I'm not saying no, but I'm also not saying yes.
1: I, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep a close eye on this. And I, I really hope that, you know, the change is near and the light is the end of the tunnel. And it's, it's, it is just absurd, especially after the pandemic that, you know, consumers are suffering in so many aspects, inflation, the macro environment with the job market. All they want to do on the weekend is just go out, hang out with their homies and drink some beers. Why are you going to hurt the businesses now trying to put on an event? Like, yeah, the, I think even the one that shook me the most was the sporting event on the television. That was just silly. Oh. Like that, if that counts as an event, I wouldn't even have a TV in my establishment.
0: I mean, you show week one, like you said. You know, you show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
1: That's four of your 25.
0: Uh, do, you, do you argue that's 16 if you're 25 even? You know, does the state clamp down? But even still, you know, you do... Let's say how many days are like actual games of March Madness? You have the first four on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you have the next four Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's six right off the bat. Then the next week you have four more for the uh, sweet 16 and the eight. So that's 10. 10. And then you have the final four, which they play on the same day. So call it 11. And then the championship, which is 12.
1: You're going to use half your events on a March just Madness. Just under half your events on March Madness. Well... So ready, half your events on March Madness. The Phillies go to Game Seven in the World Series. Yeah, literally. That's that's seven games right 19. there.
0: Then you have six. Great, you, you watch the Phillies in the World Series. Forget the rest of the playoffs. You watch the Phillies in the World Series,
1: and March Madness, and, and that's, then you do
0: March Madness, and then you have six events left. Awesome.
1: And, and that's yeah, and that that was not trivia that was not music that was not christmas party that was just two sporting events
0: uh, there's places around here that would be done in two weeks that's pretty damning so uh, yeah watch this with a close eye um and i hope they that i mean that shit would never fly in Rhode island or massachusetts oh so. my gosh no maine they would probably secede from the u.s they'd be like nope we're not doing this shit because they you know they're farther along in their beer journey and it's like you know you take your beer you take the beer away from them and they're gonna fucking revolt It's that simple be game Rhode, Island, okay. Rhode island's definitely going to get there too but it's like you cannot take the beer away and that's uh yeah watch this with a close eye for sure um we'll go to balls presented by manscaped uh, Lawnmower 4.0 many great products out on manscaped uh, House is the code for 20 percent off. Um, all right, back to playoffs here. We talked a lot about the Giants, uh, Vikings. Um, what else? I mean, the Dolphins are in, which is pretty frustrating. The way the matchups ended up, I will tell you what, I'm eyeing down that Jags Chargers matchup. Now, the Jags beat the living crap out of the Chargers earlier this year, as you may recall. <clears throat> um, the Jags would be a very cool story to see. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't think they're, I, there's no way anyone's beaten the Chiefs if they, you know, like if the Jags are the, the lowest remaining seed and they go and have to play the Chiefs, I'm sorry. But, but God, what a good story they are, having literally been one of the worst teams in the league last year to winning their division. Um, and finally getting some life out of trevor lawrence it's incredible
1: yeah shout out to eric dunn i'm happy for him the jags i think have the building blocks to be a good team you know doug peterson is a super bowl winning coach you're getting a guy like christian kirk next year they're they are there the the jaguars deserve to be in the conversation
2: but i'm gonna
1: be honest i'm not really impressed with their last stretch of game so They've won the past five. The only one that I'll give them a tip of the cap especially is the Cowboys overtime win. That's a solid win. That's a good win in my book. And then you beat the Ravens by one two weeks prior. Um, Good win as well. The rest of that game in in the five game stretch was the Titans twice, the Texans and the Jets. You know, I think he caught the chargers on the wrong foot in the beginning. I think I don't like the two point spread here. I do not like the two point spread here. And I think that's, what's tripping me up. I think the Jaguars keep it close, but I say that the chargers win by at least a field goal, probably a touchdown. Wow. It's just like the chargers are like supposed like the chargers are supposed to be here. You know, the Chargers are a wagon when healthy. Justin Herbert is going to be a a great young quarterback. Their offense with Eckler and Williams, um, their defense led by Bosa, Derwin James, uh, JC Jackson, like this team is supposed to be here. And I think the Jaguars caught hot at the right time, and I think they deserve to be here and they're building blocks but it's not going to be a close game like a two-point game it's interesting
0: i i would love if the jags did it um yeah the chargers are further along in their journey too it's um there's part of me that's like screaming like no you idiot don't bet against justin herbert and all of his offensive weapons when i look at the jags and say oh am i really gonna ride with zay jones and travis Etienne? I don't know, I can't support that. Again, so. though,
1: like the Chargers' like win streak isn't really necessarily impressive either. They beat the Rams, the Colts, the Titans, the Dolphins, which was a... Oh, that was a two-a-game. Um, and the Cardinals.
0: I will say on the flip side, the team that I know 100% like... I look at the spread and I say like it's not the Seahawks, it's not the Giants, it's not the Ravens and I'm like wow, they're definitely going to lose. It's one Miami Dolphins. They are going I like if I can take an alt spread like minus 28 or minus 30, I think I'm probably going to take it.
1: I wonder if that's out right now. Do you Thank think you that do. much?
0: I think it's going to get ugly.
1: What was the pat score?
0: It's closer than I thought. It was 35-23. Like a 12-point spread I would take. In the Bills in the playoffs, So, it's probably – wait, can I guess the – Well, there's a few
1: on, on the Rhode Island sportsbook, but this one just made me laugh. Let so, me guess
0: the actual spread first. Oh, do they the have actual, the actual spread out?
1: Yeah. Is it
0: double digits? It is. I'm going to say 12 and a half. 13. Okay.
1: So – Alternative spread one. Bills minus 28 and a half at plus 522. And then the Dolphins covering that is minus 1100.
0: I feel like that's not even that great.
1: So... Like, only, five, only
0: plus 500 on... Like, that's an insanely risky bet for four touchdowns. All right, well, let me go with, like, more in the middle. Um, But I'm saying, like, even the, if that's what plus... if. If that high is going to be only plus 550, the middle is going to be even worse.
1: Minus 21.5 is plus 230.
0: Might do that. That's an intriguing one. Stefan Diggs anytime touchdowns probably like minus
1: 250. Um, TD
0: scores... Maybe minus 140. Let me, let me revise.
1: Minus 101. No, oh, it's not bad either.
0: I kind of like that. You know, so Bill's, Bill's minus 21 and a half. You parlay that with Stefan Diggs. You probably can't do it on the Rhode Island sports because it sucks. Sorry. Um, that'd be a nice little payout there. Not like a... That's what I love about FanDuels. You could just parlay those together and... I know. All the day. No, that shit's not
1: happening in the state. Uh, I mean... What game did Skylar Thompson play? Um, he started. He came in relief against New England. They lost that one. Like, is he part of the, all of these losses? Like, is there anything that? No, I I don't think so because Teddy played a little bit and Tua was back.
0: He played in eighteen and seventeen. And he played in week 10 against the Browns, week twelve against the Texans, and week thirteen against the Niners. He also played in week five against the Jets and six against the Vikings.
1: I might be bullish and have the Dolphins cover. That's that's a hot take. I because like if you really think about it, the Bills the like I think it'll be a game where they pull the starters in the third quarter and then like the dolphins will march back and like be within two scores I wish I I wish I agreed I just simply
0: don't I I think this is I saw what the bills did to the patriots in the first round last year and that just sticks with me I think It was like 47 to 47 to something to yeah. 10 14? i mean I,
1: I i i i love the bills i was just saying like i could see the dolphins do it but then again i also thought tcu would cover 14 so <laughs> fucking that was bad that was bad yeah that was bad fuck it
0: national champ let's just air that out um that might have been the worst national championship in college football history ohio state would have made it a close game Here's my take. I think Alabama would have too. Oh, I mean, yeah, but I don't know that. The obviously, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight's
1: twenty twenty. Like, like Alabama,
0: to put the best teams by their records in, but if there's one person in this nation that says nope, having Alabama in there would have been worse. They are they're a liar. It's no, that Al-
1: Alabama, like in the bright lights, obviously would have taken care of business. Um. But again, like a two-loss almost... No, did they lose three times? Or twice? Uh, just twice. Just twice. Um, a two-loss Alabama,
0: no. And the losses were bad. They lost... Well, they lost to Tennessee, which was a good win at the time. But Their losses weren't even that bad. I thought they were worse. They lost to LSU in overtime.
1: Like now should t c you have been there like i'm I'm one where losing the your championship game i think hurts you, but people are like no it it doesn't matter it should hurt you yes, I think it does it's like if you can't lose, if you can't beat the the last person in your conference then what what are you gonna do in a in a four person playoff yeah, that's my cup of tea. Then by that logic too, well, it's drastically
0: different for basketball. But Yeah. yeah, yeah. Different for basketball
1: because hmm. excuse me. You're playing like you're playing multiple games, neutral site. Yeah.
0: And then you get someone like Georgetown that wins and gets their shit kicked in by Colorado in the first round and that's all. That gave Patrick Ewing a job for life.
2: Hmm.
0: Yes, it did. But now yeah, it's a national championship. Uh, back to to go back to football, real quick. Um, anything that stood out for you on the NFC side of things? We, I know we just talked about Minnesota and and the Giants. Um, um, I'm
1: looking at. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think Buccaneers plus two and a half and money line is a sure as shit lock.
0: That's a, that's insane that the Bucks are favored or uh, are, excuse me
1: a, a home underdog. Everyone's been talking about you know Dak Prescott being worrisome as of recently, like you know they barely beat the Titans.
0: You know now that I'm thinking about it, it's not that insane that the Bucks are a home underdog just given their eight and nine. They've they've just had a weird year. Tom Brady always does so.
1: Tom Brady like is he 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 the league is playing checkers and he's playing chess. He's going to be the first person to win a Super Bowl with a losing record. <laughs> like I just real I don't think he's even playing
0: chess. I think he's just playing something. I don't yeah. think he knows what he's playing.
1: I think this is like the first time ever anyone's like, you know what? Tom Brady had a hard year. He deserves this one.
0: <laughs> it's actually, you know. You know, you're right.
1: How fucked up is that? Like God. divorce, owning so much shit, so many shares of FTX and being involved in that lawsuit. All of the memes about his kids being like the only time they get to see their dad is on Madden. Uh, the, the guy's had it rough. The guy is his team sucks. But did you see that clip? He was just like, it was like him and Mike Evans on the bench. And he was just, like, steady cheese. And he was just like da- – uh, Mike Evans was like, yo, Tom, like, you're 8-0 and against the Cowboys, right? And he goes, yeah, and, you know, it looks like we'll be playing them next week, like, with, like, the peep eyes. And it's like, we're about to make that 9-0. and I honestly think, like, that's going to be an easy spot for the Bucs.
0: I just – If, if like, I hate to be that guy that stands up for the Cowboys, but like, if not now, then when, when, when will they do something? The Cowboys are a
1: great regular season team that falter in the playoffs.
0: Well, and I'm, I don't know. Mike McCarthy is just such a good coach. He's had such a great career. You have to think that, like, some somehow it'll break through for these dudes. And I like Dak. I I will throw my cards on the table. I do like Dak Prescott a lot. I think he's probably one of my top five favorite quarterbacks in the league right now. That's a trash take.
1: He has a good story,
0: not, not necessarily by good. I just think he's got. He is a a good leader. I think he's got a really good story. He came overcame a lot of adversity. I think he's. He's just a good dude, right? Like
1: okay. I don't know. Well. stats are I, I don't really like Kirk deserves
0: like uh, whatever. He's probably he's had a great year Kirk, but is he in my personal favorite top 5 quarterbacks? No, cuz I think he's boring as fuck. What because He's a white dude. What the hell. <laughs> Max up boring. there for me. I like Mac. Mac's white. Mac is trash. Mac We're on is... Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is up there. Love this. Mac is...
1: Mac is trash. No, I'm 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 looking forward to this playoffs, but I'm really looking forward to this quarterback carousel that's about to happen because there's gonna be a lot of movement. You have like you have young quarterbacks that are on the hot seat. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. People are saying the Bears are going to trade Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, I don't know, because I think they're just reacting to Ryan Poles' message of, uh, or no, it was his thing in the presser the other day. He said, we're looking at everybody. I'd have to be absolutely blown away to take a quarterback. But that doesn't mean he's not absolutely blown away by Bryce Young.
1: Right. So, again, you want to draft your guys. You're coming into the, you know, because I don't believe Ryan Poles was here to draft Justin Fields. He might have been.
0: Um
1: That might have been his first pick. It very well could have. Um I thought Ryan Poles came last year. He did yeah, he did come last
0: year. He was uh he got hired around this time last year.
1: So There was
0: a, this doesn't help. His predecessor was Ryan Pace. Is it bad that I thought they were the same person?
1: Yeah. Well, yes, it is. Um, Another Sh- guy.
0: It's, those, it's like, yep, it's it's Ryan Pease in Chicago, former player, whatever.
1: So those are three young guys. And then you have Trey Lance, hot seat. Yeah. Trey Lance, he could be on the move. If Brock Purdy's your guy, Um, where does Baker Mayfield go? If, if the Rams are bringing Matthew Stafford back, where does Baker Mayfield go?
0: Well, and then um, that thing about um, Brock Purdy, then where the hell does Jimmy G end Where
1: actually? does Jimmy G go, who will be a free agent? They only signed him to that one year. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be looking for his bag. Tom Brady, free agent. Derek Carr was benched last year looking for a trade. Is Russell Wilson still the guy in Denver if there's going to be a new coach? Davis Mills, if the Texans draft a quarterback, there's going to be Daniel Jones is a free agent there yeah, is going to be in,
0: uh, in New Orleans, too. Jameis
1: Winston, free agent.
0: And, and Andy Dalton, depending on how you look at it.
1: So. What the hell happens? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron I was Rogers, just say, Jordan,
0: Yeah. What the hell happens in Green Bay? We'll have that to do, I don't know.
1: We'll have to do a quarterback episode after the Super Bowl. Just being like. Go through every team and make a prediction.
0: There's a lot of people. There's two bad takes about Jimmy G right now, specifically. One's that he's going to the Raiders and the other's that he's going to New England. I
1: I see the Jets.
0: I don't know how much of an upgrade he is over a guy like Mike White.
1: Mike White just has a little flair in him. He's not a
0: winner. Uh, Mike was Mike White was better than uh, Flacco and Wilson though.
1: What about Tua?
0: Well, I don't think anyone knows what the hell kind of condition Tua is going to come. I think back.
1: Tua is going to retire. Shit, he might have to. He might have to.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think I'm ready to. I don't think I'm ready to support that take yet. But I, I like if he does, I won't be shocked.
1: I, I 100% support it because like, dude, three concussions, like three, um, what is it? Like three concussions that are reported, like NFL players obviously get hit in the head plenty of times where, you yeah, know, know shit might get brushed under the rug, not as much now because of, you know, how serious things are and CT such a main thing, but three reported concussions, two are throwing up the gang signs. He's, he's sure as shit, Don. He could be. I don't know. Which I don't sucks. know what to
0: would do. So, Which yeah,
1: sucks. maybe
0: Miami takes <laughs> – does Miami try for Brady again? Because <laughs> they did. They definitely tried for him. That's why Brian Flores got fired. Ryan Tannehill might be looking for a job. I, I but And that that's another point. What the hell do the Titans do? Because Willis is not NFL ready. Josh Dobbs sucks. He's not your guy. He never was. Did the Titans trade up and did they take one of the five QBs that are available? Did they end up with Max Duggan? I don't know. What pick are they? Yeah,
1: maybe not after this time. But Does, does Stetson, uh, Stetson Bennett get a shot at 36 years old? That's a man. He's
0: like 26, right? 27?
1: 25. He's our age. Nice. And we're two dudes with the podcast and he's a two-time natty champ. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. Unbelievable.
0: So yeah, who's going? Man, there's a lot of a
1: lot of weird mock drafts here. People are bullish on uh, Kentucky, Will Levi, um, yeah, obviously Bryce Young. Who else are people? Uh,
0: Stroud is going to go pretty Str-
1: high too. Yeah, CJ Stroud, uh, Will Anderson, kid from
0: Alabama. They, I bet you the Bears take him one. The 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 defensive edge.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Because like, what the hell else? They're they're going to take him or they're going to take uh, the Carter kid from Georgia, the D lineman. Because you don't need. Him. I'm sorry if they pick a
1: quarterback. That is fucking stupid. If they it's pick stupid. a quarterback, I honestly think the Bears should. I honestly was well. First off, was surprised. I guess I didn't watch enough Bear Bears games this year, but I feel like they covered a lot and they kept things close. Like I did, I was very shocked when I found out that the Bears had the first overall pick. Because I'm like, oh, I thought the Bears were like an eight and eight team. They played like an eight and eight team. Yeah,
0: I, I think,
1: well, I think they have they some, had... they have some pieces like, uh, who was the receiver that they traded for chase, uh, Claypool. Yeah. They have Claypool now, which I think that was kind of dumb that the Steelers traded him too many mouths to feed
0: uh, the bears had like, I don't know. They probably had one good win and it was against the Patriots. They absolutely killed them.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the bears, Roquan Smith just got that bag on at, um, in Baltimore yeah, that'll be good. Um, that, that takes away money for Lamar. You know, a lot of people are saying,
0: just to go back to the Bears and... Like, you know, the fact that their first pick... Houston beat the Colts on the last play to not have the first pick, which everybody was like, I can't believe that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they're going to have their pick waiting for them. they they They're going to take a quarterback... The Davis Mills era is over in Houston. And like, let's, worst comes to worst. If somebody trades up for that number one pick and drafts a Bryce Young, takes a Will Levis from Kentucky. You know, you still have Stroud on the board.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I, I, I... if it was, again, should you tank? Like, I'm I'm a big anti-tanker. It's hard to not do it when, like, your team is bad and, like, you know, there's quarterbacks. Like, I, no one right now in the college football sphere strikes me as, like, who should be number one. Like, the year that Trevor Lawrence, like, the Jets missed out on Trevor Lawrence, you know, where it's, like, they missed out on that first, that number one overall pick and missed a generational talent. No one strikes me like that uh in this draft. And I give credit for Lovey Smith to be there. He's like, what am I supposed to do if this is my last game, leaving a legacy of like, hey guys, let's just go out there and lose this game. Right. I think it was totally fair to go out and do your job. Should you been doing that all season long? Yes, but it's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, win some more fucking yeah. games. But um I'm surprised Jeff Saturday didn't get the official Knicks yet. I don't really know what the hell their plan is there it's weird when it's like the interim coach that they just like have the interim tag and still can just like, Hey, we're going to keep you in the wings for now. And then you'll get a chance to interview. And then we decide your fate. Hey, it's but, what Brian did with, uh, with, before they hired Jared Grosso,
0: happy Dobbs was the interim head good. coach for a couple of weeks. And then they got the cut.
1: Yeah. I, I will be curious to see where Harbro, uh, Jim Harbro goes. And I'll be interested to see where, uh, Sean Payton ends up but I wrote a blog about that because I just find it so funny that you can like trade for coaches and you can like trade for coaches and then the fact that like he works in the studio and they were just like let's bring it over to Sean Payton to address these rumors so he goes yeah so like this is how it works like I thought that was the coolest video ever him explaining like the whole. I have two years left on my contract and like the saints can open up conversations um, and negotiate my fate. Like I thought that was, that was cool transparency, but like, how much do you think? Uh, Like, what would you trade for Bill Belichick? I feel
0: like that's a shitty example just because like he's, he's priceless, but like, I, I don't know. Like who, p- let's pick another coach. Like let's take uh, like not someone brand spanking new, but like, Andy Reid. Yeah, fuck yeah, fuck it. Andy Reid, like to trade
1: for Andy Reid. Uh... If if the Saints are asking for a first round pick for Sean Payton, who won them a Super Bowl, hasn't coached in a minute, and also isn't doing anything for them, and they only hold his rights for two more years, Andy Reid as a current head coach has to worth be worth at least three. Yeah, you know, he's probably worth
0: maybe a first-rounder, a high first-rounder, and, like,
1: a stud
0: wide receiver.
1: I don't know. But, like, can Andy – like, can Andy Reid turn around the Bears right now? That's that's asking a lot. No. Like, what teams do you think Andy Reid could realistically turn around that didn't make the playoffs with their roster – if they had Andy Reid as the coach, I
0: I can't say that there's many. You know, like I, I it's so weird with these coaches because it's like
1: how much of it is actually them,
0: right? Like, it, listen, you saw a very good example with the Jaguars this year. They had a professional come in, a, a Super Bowl champion, Doug Peterson, and he went in and said, "We're not doing the shit the way Urban
1: Meyer did it last year because he's fucking dumb." Actually. I think there's a few teams that Andy Reid could have taken to the playoffs. Realistically, give them to me. I think Andy Reid could have taken the Raiders to the playoffs. I think he could have taken the Broncos to the playoffs. I think he could have taken the Commanders to the playoffs. The Packers, but over uh... anyone, anyone in the NFC South. He probably could have taken the Titans to the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at AFC South. Um, the, the Steelers, NFL. I think, he well, I mean, no, because Mike Tomlin's a very good coach, so no. Uh, I
0: look at a team like the Saints, he probably could have taken them, seriously. Like, I think he actually could have taken the Saints to the playoffs. Yeah,
1: so we just we just <laughs> rescinded what we said. <laughs> he would have taken half the teams that didn't make it. I guess playoffs. he would have taken half of them. So I was thinking more of like the shit teams. Like he would not have taken the Texans or the Colts. But also the bubble teams too. Like, I don't think he could have taken the Patriots to the playoffs. No, because like Andy Reid, like Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin are like in that tier of like your top guys.
0: Yeah. Like I, and again, that's the same with the Steelers. I don't think he could have done that. Um, What else could he have taken... I think he certainly would have taken the Jets to the playoffs. With that team, I think he would have found the situation that worked. Yeah. You've got so many young, good dudes on that team. He would have figured it out. I I don't know. So, to answer your question, I'm not really sure what I would give up for Andy Reid. Maybe maybe two first-rounders and, like, cash. But I don't think the Chiefs would do that. No. for a head coach well the Chiefs would here's the thing the Chiefs they would have, have to suck <sighs> who are they going to get back
1: yeah they the Chiefs they like, have to suck.
0: like remember when Jason Kidd got traded as the head coach
1: for Milwaukee yeah and again though like supposedly like this Eric enemy guy is like the dude like that he's been passed up on so many head coaching jobs and like there's an under the under the table agreement that when Andy Reid's ready to retire, it's his job. Well, my thing is
0: also like, I and I floated this around a lot last year. Because I was thinking, like, why does it why are people like passing over B like if I'm Bienemy, why the fuck would you want to leave? First of all.
1: You he, have he, he the has best to be one offense. Of the, yeah, he has to be one of the highest paid offensive coordinators, too.
0: Right, you sit on your ass and you coordinate this. This beautiful um revolutionary it, th- like the way the chiefs run their offense is is stunning. It's truly beautiful. And to go leave and go be the coach of some shitty team like the Broncos to get rinsed by the team that 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 you built. why the fuck would you do that? If I were him, I'd sit on that job forever, literally.
1: Yeah, and I think we've seen countless times now that there's too many, like, early coordinators hopping on the opportunity right off the bat, where it's like, build your resume a little bit more. Like, I think Eric Bieniemy now is, like, definitely qualified to be the head coach. But again, why would you leave a situation like the Chiefs, where you have a decade of Mahomes, and, like, you're always going to have gauntlet of talent, you know? Whereas, like, but again, though, I mean, Brian Dable, Brian Dable left a decade of Josh Allen, so yeah. who's to say?
0: Yep. Who's to I say? Agree. But that—that that was, a, I feel like, that was a different situation. He walked in, knew the players he had were actually like good. Whereas, like, the enemy's offers, there's nowhere like that that he's gonna get this year, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and again, Dable also hasn't won a ring. Right, that's like, the thing. He's got stuff to prove still. Like, the Chiefs have been there, you know, what, twice to the Super Bowl? Only tw- right, only twice. Yeah. A couple championship a- AFC championships, but the Bills haven't gotten in the hump yet. Will this be the year? I hope. Yeah. Well,
0: that's, that's talking football. We'll have a lot. This will be a telling week. Um, let's talk real quick about Carlos Correa too. (laughs) finally got his contract we talked about this before uh, a few weeks ago six years 200 million to the team that walked away from him the Minnesota Twins uh, after three physicals later they've passed
1: it and he is now going to be in Minnesota walked away from the Twins they didn't walk away from him they just couldn't afford him
0: well now they can
1: now they can (laughs) They couldn't afford that first 300 uh what was it? 3 315?
0: 3, three... Uh, it was a lot of money. Yeah. It was a surgically repaired right ankle that proved to piss a lot of people off. And the twins had no problem with it and I think they're it's also like if I'm the twins I'm like, well, fuck it, we should try to get him back. Um at whatever discounted price we can get him now because he has an asterisk
1: on him. I think it's a bad deal for the twins. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there are no opt outs and no player options. So they have this guy for six years and you know, you laugh at the giants because they miss out on Aaron judge. They miss out on, uh, you know, a, a handful of players. They can't retain some of their own guys like Carlos Radon. You know, this was going to be their white whale offseason where they finally had money. Carlos Correa, I mean, World Series champion, platinum glove winner, all-star. You know, the guy is a great player, but you miss out on him. The, that whole contract situation happens. The Mets blow the load on that. Yeah, the twins got him on a discount, but clearly both of those medical staff saw something. Like, they're not like, it's a funny situation, but like, I, you still got to trust the doctors. Like, this is, I honestly think, to be completely honest, put on your tinfoil hat for this one. Scott Boris paid off the twins doctors and like, he's going to pass his physical. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) You're just like, if two organizations have red flags, what the fuck is a third doctor? You're telling me he's not seeing something? Like I would uh, really, I would really love if the league, and again, illegal as hell because of HIPAA and all of this stuff, but they just sent this X-ray to 30 team doctors, and I would love to have any of them would come back and say, No. I would love. No name on it, just the X-ray, and be like, can this guy play 10 years at the level? Of shortstop third base. And I would love to see how many of them would say no. Well, if that's the case,
0: yeah, I want to react to this and say, why would the twins do this if there's circumstances? But it's also it's also not ten years, it's six. So that's the part of it that I'm sort of saying, well, it's not that that risky, all things considered. Sure, it's a risk. It's a risk every time you sign someone that had an injury. Um, I just don't think I'm not as negative towards it as other people are, because I think he's going to be terrorizing off or uh, I think he's going to be terrorizing pitchers for a while. I really do. I don't think he's slowing down in four years, five
1: years. I think at six year Mark. He's still going to be pretty good. That's my take. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I'm just like, if if, if there's been red flags about his back and now his ankle, you know, it's concerning. I, 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 I just think that like Boris couldn't be the la- the butting end of a joke after the third team dropped out on him. Uh, maybe.
0: I. I don't think he gives a shit though. Yeah, he's, well, he's getting paid. He, he, we talked about the years. He, the year he had, he made hand over fist in money. Year over year. What, what was
1: his year this year?
0: I don't know. I forgot what he It was a few hundred million bucks.
1: Must have been. Oh, I feel like, he's a, I feel like he's a Billy guy every year. Maybe. Is, is Xander his client? Uh, yes, he is. Yes. So that's 300. Carlos Radon's his client. He has commissions of up
0: to 191 million.
1: Commissions? Yes. Him so personally he, or his or the agency? Him. See, that's where it comes in, too, where it's like, it's obviously a Boris client, but how much of it is him and how much of it is at the agency? I think
0: he's just sitting on his relationships, honestly. Yeah. The Boris Corporation.
1: He knows how to hold the strings and play the board. He knows his shit. That he he does. What's his net worth? Can you look that up? Um, oh, it was just in front of me.
0: Um, let's see. What do you think it is?
1: I don't know if it's got to be a Billy, right? It's a half 450. That's chump change. Yeah, 450.
0: I don't know what I would do with 450 mil.
1: It's a lot of money. Fucking absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, and that works too.
1: Or start a sports agency. Why not? Donate, take care of the people you love, and be Steve Cohen and go buy a fucking sports team.
0: Uh, Actually, yeah, I would buy like a majority share in like some sports team. I think that's what I would do.
1: I think honestly, though, I think the sports league that I would buy if, If I had that type of money would be soccer. Yeah,
0: I'd probably right. I would say the revs, but you're not buying the revs off craft for sure.
1: I wanna say I need to watch that. Like soccer team, that'd be pretty sick. I wanna watch that uh the show with um uh it's something Rexlam. It's it's uh why am I drawing fucking blanks on the name tonight? This is what we got for recording it. Oh, welcome 14. to Wrexham. That's what it is. Welcome to Wrexham. and it's uh, who are the people? <laughs>
0: fucking help me out here. <laughs> that's dude. a great. All right, that's a show, everybody. What a great
1: show. Wait, hold up. It's 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 the guy from Always Sunny, and it's Blake. It's Ryan Reynolds husband. and Rob McElhenney. Ryan Reynolds, thank you. Holy shit, I am fucking fried.
0: Yes. What a pitch for that show, man. <laughs> not a, not a budding guy.
1: I heard it's good. Uh, but like I saw, I saw a front office sports post about them a couple months ago, just in terms of like, now, again, you obviously have two very high end celebrities with a lot of money. And what Ryan Reynolds is doing with like his marketing agency and like Mint Mobile and stuff like he is a, he is a genius. He is a business leader. He is doing some incredible stuff, but like, the social interactions and impressions that he got, they both got when they bought this team, made it, like, Ted Lasso 10x over. It's, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool stuff. And, like, I believe their show is very telling of, like, both the business and the soccer side of, like, how to make a good soccer team and then how to make a, like, run a good business. I might start watching that, actually. It looks
0: really good. It's on Hulu. 18 episodes? It's like... a. I get major Ted Lasso vibes from this.
1: Yeah. So, and again, Ted Lasso took over the country.
0: Yeah, true. So, yeah, that was a great one. I, I really did like Ted Lasso a lot.
1: And I think a soccer team is more achievable. And, like, you don't need a billion dollars for it. Yeah. It's very true. You just need your measly 450
0: from Scott Boris. Yeah. I'm going to go watch... Welcome to Rexum. I think you actually sold me. Well, it that was I think the worst pitch for a show I've ever heard, and now worst I'm gonna pitch watch
1: for a show. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, just a quick Google, I think I'm hooked. Midnight, midnight recordings get you the 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 graveyard shift of what's going on. But I guess to wrap um, up this episode, vote, <laughs> go buy some brew, brew Day IPA, brew Jersey to stop the uh new jersey tariffs on (laughs) breweries can you speak english (laughs) the giants are going to make a run in the playoffs carlos correa deal is in murky water and go watch welcome to wrexham
0: all right we'll talk about the wwe next week because there's some weird stuff going on there yeah
1: there's a lot of stuff i
0: don't have the brain capacity tonight no that's 112 everybody see you next week so long take it easy